Welcome to How We Got There. I am your host, Mike Davis, founder of Go-To-Market Guides. I interview thought leaders and founders in the Salesforce ecosystem to help ISVs learn new techniques to try and mistakes to avoid. This episode of How We Got There is brought to you by Epiphany. Epiphany is a leading product development outsourcer that has been helping app exchange partners architect, develop, and get their apps through the Salesforce security review since 2009. Epiphany is the only PDO funded by Salesforce Ventures, and its customers include Stripe, Slack, LinkedIn, DocuSign, and even Salesforce themselves. Visit epiphany.com, that's A-P-P-I-P-H-O-N-Y.com to learn more about how Epiphany can help your organization successfully launch your app on the Salesforce App Exchange today. Hi, I'm here with John Jessup, who is the founder of 1440.io. John, excited to have you. Mike, thanks so much for having me. So I guess just to start, tell me about, I know you've been in the ecosystem for a while. So tell me how you found your way into the Salesforce ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. So I worked at Oracle for a long time and went, moved to Park City, Utah, started working for a startup, an e-commerce startup here in Utah. And Mark Benioff actually invested in that company. And they came to me and said, hey, you're ex-Oracle, Mark Benioff's ex-Oracle. Can you build a, a Salesforce product? And so this was literally 2005 with S controls. Sorry, the 2005? Yeah, 2005. That's crazy. 2005. And like the way you built an app in 2005 was you built an S control and you would like put that S control on a page layout. So we basically did that. We're at a, a button where it could take, take you out to something that was doing kind of B2C commerce functions. Uh, so Benioff invested in that company. We actually won an appy in 2006 for this kind of first B2C solution on the app exchange. We actually got, you know, got it listed on the App Exchange, got, you know, I think five or six reviews. But I was kind of hooked on the fact that you don't have to deal about deal with, you know, the, the underlying database technologies and the, you know, reporting. And yeah, I remember I remember having to build reports in Java before. So I'm, I'm very technical and I like I like being able to leverage, you know, like a tech stack like Salesforce to solve uh, problems. That's great. And tell us a little bit about 1440.io. Uh, what's what's your approach to the market? What do you all do? Yeah, so I appreciate the question. 1440 is actually how many minutes in the day we have. And so time is uh, a big, you know, one of the most important assets for most people, right? In most companies. Cloud Conversion is the company I started about 11 years ago as a Salesforce ISV. And then I started another company called Reputation Studio. And I started seeing over the last year, just the synergies across the teams and the products. And we had a lot of customers that, you know, were cloud conversion customers and looking at you know, how, how they can better manage reviews and manage the reputation and service cloud, very, very service cloud focused. And so 1440 is kind of the kind of the combination of those two sort of companies and solutions. And then we're also launching a new product next week on the app exchange called Translation Studio, which actually kind, kind of came out of both the reputation and cloud conversion to help companies globally understand what, what consumers are saying in Japan, in Europe, and, you know, in, in, in Latin America. And so, you know, really excited about kind of the, the opportunity to help companies that are leveraging, you know, commerce cloud and service cloud, kind of the customer 360. And, you know, we're working with a lot of, a lot of very large brands on these kind of digital transformation efforts and helping them really understand what a, what a consumers, you know, think or say, and what, what are they buying from them or what are they not buying from them, right? 
So a lot, lot of really cool opportunity with 1440. And I'm really excited for 2021 as we go into this. Nice. Good luck with the with the launch. Uh, now I have to ask because you identified self-identified as as a technical founder. A lot of the folks that 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 might be listening to this are, are also technical founders who might not be as far along from a revenue perspective as as fourteen forty. And my background's all sales, so I I love sales. Sales done right. I guess what what any guidance or tips you can share with other technical founders about how to actually commercialize your app. That's a great question. I mean, I think knowing an industry, having some domain expertise is huge. And, you know, trying to find somebody who, you know, maybe can help find what's what's a problem that really needs to be solved. And then obviously, people are willing to pay for that problem to be solved. And I mean, the great thing about Salesforce is, you know, it, it, it helps you really gets you pretty far down the path from a building out a solution. And then also, you can sort of build an MVP pretty quickly. And so the ability to, you know, like, you know, iterate, get something out there, iterate, keep iterating, get customer feedback. But re- I mean, make it, make obviously make sure there's a market, make sure it's worth your while because being an entrepreneur is hard, especially if you're, you know, you're bootstrapping and you're trying to, you know, acquire customers at the same time you're building product. Yeah, that's uh, that's good guidance. I mean, iteration and just fine tuning that message and getting specific about that message is is so key to understand the problems you solve. Yep, totally. So at uh, at 1440, what's the what's the best go to market program that that you and the team have created? I mean, we've had a, we've had a lot of really good ones. I, I would say, you know, we we partner with, you know, really industry leaders that are outside of Salesforce. And so we've got like a great partnership with with Amazon, with 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 Shopify, which as you can probably you know seen, I mean, they're just absolutely killing it right now. We've got a nice partnership with Big Commerce that went public last year. Bizarre Voice is really the leader when it comes to user-generated content. They're a big partner on the Commerce Cloud side of things, but we're really kind of partnering with them on on the on the Service Cloud side. And so I, I would say like probably the best like sort of programs that we built are you know by leveraging other large ecosystems, you know like a Shopify or like an Amazon, and then bringing that into you know the Salesforce ecosystem so that we can help solve problems that are kind of cross, not, not necessarily cross cloud, but cross platform. And, and also the other thing too, is we, we were, I think maybe one of the first OEM partners of Salesforce. So we, you know, we, we are an ISV, but we're also an OEM. And so there are a lot of companies, you know, I mean, there's, I think 2 million merchants on Shopify. I, I would be willing to bet that 98% of them have never even looked at either buying Salesforce ever, or even using Salesforce. They or may not, they may not even know what it is. Or they, they just think it's like a way to manage your sales like process. And so by us, you know, being able to leverage the tech stack and 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 actually resell Salesforce technologies to a merchant that wouldn't normally even think about using Salesforce, I think that's also been a great, a great play for us so over the past 10 years. Maybe it's new or maybe it's not, but I, I don't believe they used to allow an ISB to be both ISB force and OEM, they being Salesforce. I, so that's 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 cool that you saw an opportunity there where you you say, hey, current Salesforce customers can get value of this, but also a bunch of others that haven't haven't had any sort of footprint could get value too. And and offering both is great. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's the same product, right? For the most part. And so you know, just kind of different marketing and different go to market strategy with those. Yeah. Any big mistakes you can share uh, from a go-to-market perspective uh, as you were building? 
you know, I, I wasn't necessarily thinking go to market, but I think my biggest mistake was not not reinvesting soon enough or, or enough at, at certain points in the business. You know, there were a couple of years when we were throwing off a lot of cash and, you know, SaaS in SaaS, you know, recurring revenues came. Right. And I could I could think back to, you know, maybe five, six years ago where, you know, if I had, if I had taken a couple extra, you know, hundred thousand dollars here, hundred thousand dollars there, you know, hired another salesperson. You know, I, I probably could have turned that hundred thousand into a hundred thousand in recurring revenue or two hundred thousand in recurring revenue. You know, six years ago, right? Which would be a million dollars today. You know, as, as long as you don't lose customers, right? So I think I think our my biggest mistake, you know, just as a business and entrepreneur, you know, I didn't really totally grasp. You know, I was like, oh, like we're making a lot of money, You're like that's great, right? But but what you want is that recurring revenue, and so I, I would say that's probably the biggest mistake. Huh. Yeah, interesting. That that snowball once it gets going. I mean, that's that's why the valuations of SaaS companies are are what they are. Yep, um, so when you think about partnerships, so go, you you mentioned the Shopify ecosystem has been really fruitful, but with with SIs and those implementation partners and other ISVs, how do you approach those types of relationships at fourteen forty? Yeah, we've we've actually got some really great ISV partners or sorry, SI partnerships now, consulting partners, primarily on the commerce cloud side. We we actually decided to partner with Salesforce on the order on their new order management product about a, almost a year ago. And so, you know, there's a lot of the the commerce cloud SIs that are doing, you know, the you know, it's the old demandware platform doing a lot of the builds on the e-commerce, you know, storefronts. And most of them don't have a, a lot of experience when it comes to core Salesforce, you know, service cloud and and order management's built on core now. And so, you know, I think those partnerships with some of those, you know, sort of commerce cloud SIs has been really great. And then also too, you know, we're, we're you know, primarily an, I, an ISV. And so, you know, delivering, you know, actually doing delivery of services, you know, and being part of a service cloud implementation with some of the big SIs is, has been a really great opportunity. And, you know, you have, obviously have to build trust with the SIs, but, you know, I think they, once they start realizing how you can add value you know, to their, you know, to, to their relationships with the customer. And also they're, they're looking for competitive advantage, right? And so if they have people that are, you know, skilled up and understand, you know, other aspects of what's possible, then I think it helps them as well. Yeah, it helps them differentiate. Man, I tell you, the the SI ecosystem, there's 1,500 of them globally. Like, what a value to building a business in Salesforce in the Salesforce ecosystem where you don't have to build a PS team. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And I mean, I think that the thing, you know, going back to your previous question around, you know, how do you identify, you know, like, you know, go to market and if you're a technical founder, how do you build a product? And I think a lot of it's, you know, go, go to the SIs and figure out, you know, what, what, are, what, are they, what do they see that they don't want to build? Because a lot of stuff, they, they would rather just build it themselves, right? But find, a, find something that's big enough or hard enough or is, you know, complex enough where, BSI just like would throw their hands up in the air and be like, no, I don't want to touch that. Right. Like, is there, isn't there somebody else that does that? And if you look at like velocity, for example, I mean, like, do you think an SI would ever want to build, rebuild velocity? Like definitely not. Right. <laughs> velocity, Viva. I mean, no, Encino, like, no, thank you. And that's, that's why they're public. Exactly. Uh, well, velocity is part of Salesforce, but anyway, um, <laughs> So I know you're an advisor for Salesforce's Accelerate program, and and you are also a participant in the past. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that program and and what type of company should should look into it? 
Yeah, so it's a it's been an awesome program for us. Uh, Mike Creeden, uh, I've known for 15 years, and actually, it's funny the the company that that Benioff invested in in 2005 was invited to the first incubator, which was actually in the old I can't remember which building it was, but it was right on 101 in like San Mateo. I think Rakuten's actually there now. It's a great program, and there's two different versions of it. There's the there's the grow version, and then there's the I can't remember the other name. It's like almost like the accelerate. I can't, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, I think it's I think it's launch. Is that right? Yeah, maybe launch and then grow. And so yeah, so I think the the the, the launch kind of and we, we probably should have looked this up ahead of time. But the, the launch version basically is uh, people that are kind of new to building apps on the app exchange. The goal is really to get them to you know to having a product that they can start selling on the app exchange. The grow program, which is what we were a part of. Is for existing, you know, app exchange ISP partners with a product that's already in market. So when you when you say like who, you know, who should apply to it, and it, there's an application process where they want to, you know, see, you know, what's the business model, and they really help with your go to market strategy, and they bring in lots of really really awesome advisors like you and I, <laughs> but and a lot of sales, a lot of internal Salesforce folks that are technical um, as well as you know the sales and marketing side. But, you know, depending on if, if you're you know new to the ecosystem and trying to get an app launched on the app exchange versus having an existing in-market app, you know, that's that's really the the key part in terms of the, which which two you go after. And I think they alternate between the two. They've also done one in EMEA. Uh, the last one, cohort eight or cohort nine was a work.com cohort. And so we actually built a work.com app and we're getting ready to launch as well. But, you know, obviously work.com has been a big uh Big focus of, of Salesforce and the App Exchange team the past you know the past nine months. Yeah, and and there's there's no cost for partners. It's a it's a great program. John alluded to it, but I'm a brand new advisor for this one, and I'm really excited to to help and to learn more about what it is from the other side. Yeah, we actually ended up we did a bunch of demo jams as part of when we were in it the last. I guess we we actually started in March, right when COVID hit. And then we graduated, I think we graduated like June, yeah, like, like I think maybe June, but uh, yeah, we actually won one of the demo jams and then we actually ended up winning an AMP uh, package through the program as well. So we're doing, doing a, uh, a demo video with, with Salesforce, the AMP program. Oh, I didn't know they were giving out prizes. That's uh that's bonus. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, totally. Cool. So if you could share kind of just a best practice, I mean, from your point of view, what, what should every ISB do this month ahead of the new fiscal year or heading into the new fiscal year? Because this will probably be released after February 1st. So what would you, what recommendation would you make? You know, one of, one of the things I've realized over the past, you know, 12 months. And so the answer is, I think globally, Salesforce obviously is a global organization. You know, there are thousands of you know reps and and there's SEs and there's product marketing customer success like all through Europe through APAC through Latin America and you know so think really think globally I think I think a lot of a lot of partners really just think just think in you know US or you know English speaking countries we've actually put a lot of effort into localization of our apps so our apps will very very soon will be supported in you know 20 plus languages I don't know if you know this, there's actually a Japanese app exchange. And so we're going to be listing our apps on the Japanese app exchange. And so, I mean, if you think about your, you know, who you can sell your solutions to by opening up and, and Salesforce makes it, you know, I mean, the fact that it supports multi-currency, multi-language, and they make it, you know, relatively easy to localize your solutions with labels and, and you know, trans, the, the translation workbench. 
we, I mean, we, we, we get a lot of leads now from, from Europe, a lot of actually, we've gotten a lot of leads in the past six months from, from APAC and working on a couple of big deals with in Latin America. With the Japanese app exchange, is that a separate package or is that the same package? It's actually the same package and you can actually open a ticket and just express your interest in listing on the Japanese app exchange. And then it'll actually add a little drop down when you go on your, you can add a listing and you can choose Japanese. The only, I think the only two things you have to do is obviously localize your app exchange listing. And then you also have to be able to support, support a customer that doesn't speak English. So that's actually where Translation Studio, our Translation Studio product is going to help us, is we're going to be using that to, to provide support, you know, in countries we don't speak the language. There you go. If you if you can go to market in Japan, John just uh, expanded your TAM to include Japan. Uh, I didn't realize that was the same package. That's amazing. Yep, pretty awesome. <laughs> so now you've built three apps under the 1440 umbrella, and I know you're launching the translation one. But gotta ask, I mean, what's what's next? When you and I are talking next year, what's what are you kind of noodling on? I think really the focus is to, to focus on scaling these three. There, there may there may be things coming on down the road, but I don't want to give away another great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Very fair. All right, so we're gonna move into the to the final three. It's rapid fire questions, ten second answers. You ready to go? Let's do it. Awesome. Who is one company or person in the ecosystem that you track or follow? I think it's got to be David Schmeier from Velocity. I mean, what, what he was able to accomplish in six years is just incredible. Awesome. And um, what would you tell yourself day one of working in the ecosystem? You know, I, I mean, I started, you know, 15 years ago. So I, I, it, would been, uh, it would have been keep investing in the Salesforce stock. You know, I was like, uh, and if I had, you know, if I get, you know, 10% of the revenue of the businesses gone, gone into Salesforce stock, we would, uh, we'd be talking a different story. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good tip. What gives you energy in your personal life? You know, I love skiing uh, Dervali with my wife and kids. Uh, so we're heading out tomorrow. And uh, if you're ever in Park City, uh, look me up. I will. I'm on the other side of the um, little mountain range. Uh, so I'll have to get out there. Well, uh, John, thank you again for your time. This has been great. Uh, and appreciate you coming on the podcast. Cool. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening. And I hope you learned something from today's episode of how we got there. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. I'll see you here next time.